One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I'm Piers Morgan. I'm Censor. Coming up tonight, first trains, then planes. The UK's summer of strikes now heads to the skies. The shocking U.S. Supreme Court ruling that means America's response to recent gun massacres is going to be to make it easier to carry guns in public. We'll debate that. Have our students become a militant herd of triggered crybabies? One man's journey to answer the question that's stumbling an entire generation. Please, if one person could tell me what a woman is. You are not here for women. We ask you to leave. What is that? Welcome to Piers Morgan Uncensored. The UK's summer of strikes is now heading to the skies as hundreds of British Airways workers at Heathrow Airport vote to go on strike over pay. I'm joined now by tonight's Piers Back, Talk TV's international editor Isabel Oakshot, political journalist Ava Santina, and aviation analyst Alex Macheras. Well, welcome to all of you. We're starting with this. Alex, I want to start with you. You're over in Doha where there's a huge airline conference, and there clearly is general crisis and chaos across the world post-pandemic as these airlines try and get through this. Oh, we, Alex can't hear me. We'll come to the, the two ladies. Said it would be now. Isabel, clearly the airwaves are in turmoil. We know this. Through the pandemic, a lot of people got laid off. A lot of people left the work. And the result now is utter chaos. People can't get on holiday. They're being cancelled at the last minute. Not just here, but all around the world. Now British Airways staff, check-in staff in particular, have decided... They're going to go on strike, but it's particularly about one aspect. They say their pay was cut by 10% at the start of the pandemic because of the huge losses the airline were making, that there was a promise they'd get it back. They're now being offered a 10% bonus as a one-off payment, but not the 10% pay cut restored that they had. And some managers, apparently, are getting the original cut restored to their pay packet. What do you make of it? Well, what I make of it is I can see why they may well be aggrieved. I just think that the timing of this, just as it was with the RMT strike, is calculated to be as disruptive as possible. This is what they do. Uh, And, you know, for British people thinking that for the first time in two years they might actually be able to have a half-decent summer holiday, I think that's absolutely for the birds because this isn't just going to affect BA. I'm sure that it will soon spill over... And, and if it's true, and it seems to be, if it is the case that these BA's staff had 10% lopped off their salaries, were promised to get it back, now they're not getting it back because it's getting the bonus, and other more senior members, managers included, have apparently had that money restored, that seems to me 
very different to what's going on with the rail strikes, where they want another 11% on top of their current existing money. This is about restoring something they were told would be a temporary cut. Yeah, but at the end of the day, you don't always have to... Your default position doesn't have to be to strike. And I think that there must be well, what other What if they're refusing of, to give them the money? Well, then, you know, frankly, there may be other jobs that you have to look to. I mean, how much can people take, you know, in terms of the, the great British public who have just put up with endless chaos here... If there's a choice to fly a different airline, that's what I would suggest people do, just to avoid British right. Airways. What do you think of this, Eva? I don't think it's about the workers. Sorry, I don't think it's about the British public at all. It's totally about the workers. I think it's obscene that we're even thinking about people going on holiday who are lucky enough to have a little bit of extra surplus money and can go on holiday. And we're not talking about the people who have had not only 10% of their pay cut over the last year, but they're also not getting a rise in their pay with inflation. I, I think that's frankly... At least they've still got a job. You know, given what everything that the country has been through, they are still in their wait, jobs. Wait, wait, Lots of people have had to take We're a massive We're not ever lucky to cut. have a job. That's ridiculous. Like, no-one's lucky to have a job. Well, I, th- I think everybody's lucky to have a job. I'm think... lucky to have a job. I feel very lucky to have a job. I think that companies are lucky it's not to still a right. be in profit. It's not it's a right to, to have do... a job. You've I... got to earn oh, your job. come on. It is. Once again, though, the airline industry, like the rail industry, got massive bailouts from the government. Massive. Yes. A lot of the staff were put on furlough. So the government would say, look, we tried to keep this industry running during an incredibly difficult time. And now, you know, again, I think it's different to the rail strikes. It seems to be a very particular issue they're striking on. And I think on the face of it, it seems really unfair. I've got a lot more sympathy with these BA workers for the issue that they're striking on than I have with Mick Lynch and his RMT gang, who are, I think, holding us to ransom. No, but they're one and the same. I mean, They're not, though, are they? But no, but they are the same. One because... group wants an 11% pay rise, which I think is a ridiculous thing to be asking for But it's for not a pay rise. In the rise. It's, an, it's them avoiding a pay cut. Yeah, but you can't give the entire country what is happening with inflation. You can't. Well, then you can't we go let... bankrupt as a country. Well, then you can't let the people at the top continue to make profit and continue to reap money for their shareholders. Well, there are two the issues. Argument. I agree that you, the people at the top should be also taking a hit on this. I agree with that. But that's not going to cover 11% pay rises for the entire public sector. No, but look... Or anything like it. Look, people at the bottom are tired of having to make way for people at the top. For 11, 12 years now, since austerity, people under 30 grand have been shouldering the burden for people on the top. And... they're fed up of it. That's why they're striking. How would you Only... feel if teachers go on strike? I would totally support them. Really? Wow. I would. Wow. Given how much time, how much time they had think, do you not literally think that our not doing anything children. in the pandemic, a lot of them? What do you, do you mean not, not doing anything during A lot of them did very little of the pandemic. No, but that, that, that is obscene. Actually, they were at home like making well, packets. They were right. sending home information. I assure you that a lot of teachers were not providing that. A lot of the times the schools were shut and they weren't doing it. Some were. I'm not denigrating all teachers. Some were, but a lot of them weren't. Don't you think I had a son at university who didn't do any in-person classes. For an entire year and a half, I think. Yeah, that's fine. Years. But why is the conversation always, haven't the children suffered enough? Haven't the British public suffered children? enough? Yeah, but we never go, why is the government allowing people to suffer? Why are they paying people abysmal sums of money and expecting services? Because there also to has to be a reality check, right? We are in an unprecedented period here following this catastrophic pandemic. Whatever the decision and thoughts about the decisions we took as a country, you know, in terms of furlough and so on, this cost a staggering sum of money. Kind of money we haven't seen since World War II being shoveled around, right? To prop us up. So once you take that position, these are extraordinary times. I think the RMT, honestly, I'm not against trade unions. I support the idea of a trade union. I think a lot of times they do very good work for their workers. But when you are 
representing a group of people that includes train drivers, sometimes earning nearly Big 100 money. grand a year. Okay, but actually, and you're trying to get them all an 11% no, really pay rise. That is not, in my okay. view, that is not appropriate. The people, a lot of the people who are striking, as Mick Lynch has explained, are on between 25 and 31,000 pounds. They're not at the top of the pay scale. We're not talking 60k salaries here. We're talking about people right at the bottom. But they're striking. One of their main complaints and why they won't continue the negotiation at the moment is because they want an assurance that they're not going to be made redundant. Normal people don't have an assurance that no, they're but, never going to be made but redundant. But if you're in the private Welcome sector, you've life. got a choice. You can you leave. You can go well, I think it's else. outrageous, for example, that the government's given the wink to the bankers, as they clearly have to say, you don't have to have cap your bonuses anymore now we come out of the European Union. That kind of thing really great with people that's right now. Optics, so we can probably all that. agree that that's wrong. Yeah. Let's bring in, we've got Alex Macheras back now. He was cruelly, cruelly cut off. So Alex, there's a, there's okay. a slight delay on the, on the uh, line. Let me just ask you, tell me about the British Airways strike. Do you think from everything you've gleaned about this, it is a reasonable action for these staff to be taking? It looks to me like it might be if what they're saying is what happened. I think I share the same sentiment as you, Piers, and that's partly because... What they're striking about is actually pretty clear. The reality is that international air travel right now, in terms of recovery, is very much underway globally. That is the picture now. We are on track. Now, there's a whole load of disruption attached to that. But what the strike is actually about is the fact that these workers had their salaries reduced because of the pandemic, because the airline was sending emails saying that if we don't do this, we will not survive and we want to survive and you want your jobs. Therefore, this is the action we're going to take. Fast forward now to 2022, you've got all of management having their full salaries reinstated. You've got some figures in aviation being given bonuses. But what we don't have is these workers who are on the front line every single day having their salaries returned back to the levels that they were. And they even reject the term pay rise because they're saying this is not a rise, this is actually what we were paid in the first place. Right, and is it true that managers are apparently, they've had their money restored and they're getting a bonus? Yeah, that is true. And, you know, this was just raised here in, in Doha, where I am now in Qatar, because over 150 airline CEOs were gathering for their annual general meeting. And there are many airlines that were discussing how they're profitable and therefore they're being able to do the things airlines do when they're profitable, such as rewarding staff with bonuses, rewarding those execs. Now, the picture at British Airways as to whether or not exactly that is happening remains a little bit unclear. But what is very clear is that these frontline workers haven't had their salaries returned back to, to what they were. And, uh, and ultimately, that's something that they think they are owed, understandably. And I think a lot of people uh, realise that. Rail travel is unlikely, I don't think, to ever get back to what it was like before the pandemic, because many people have made change of life choices. You know, I spoke I to a, a cab driver down in, near my I've village in Sussex. It, and he said... Oh, well, can you hear? Can you hear me, Alex? No. You're gone again. No. Okay. We'll come back to Alex. We, we got sorry for the technical issues. It's interesting, you know. I just a local cab driver down in Sussex said to me that the amount of people commuting from Haywards Heath Station, as it is down in Sussex, big commuter line to Victoria, London Bridge, so on, has massively fallen off. As has the work, of course, for the cabs, Absolutely. because people just yeah. aren't going yeah. about work in the same way they did. Absolutely. So I travel in from Oxford, station just outside Oxford called Oxford Parkway. That has 800 car parking spaces. Before the pandemic, if you arrived after nine o'clock on a Monday or a Tuesday morning, the whole thing would be completely full. No chance. Ever since the pandemic, we now have maybe a quarter of the car park is full. Right. So three quarters of that 
custom has disappeared. And I don't think it'll come back. If it's not back now, where, when will it come back? Whereas air travel, you might think, I, I think could come back just as strongly. But the problem is they don't have the stuff. I sat next to a pilot on a plane the other day. He was flying to go and pick up a plane to, to fly it. And he said it's been really tough. He was a BA pilot. It's been really tough. Everyone's feeling it now. They're, yeah. They've been working incredibly long hours to catch yeah. up with everything. Uh, a lot of people, you know, found it quite... And I think a lot of people resonate with this. He said it took a lot, you know, having had, you know, maybe one job a month for months and months on end. Yeah. Suddenly they had to go back to full-time work and they've all found that quite a hard adjustment. I think a lot of people felt like that, right? We work from home, very different pace of life. Suddenly you're thrust back into normal life. These things shouldn't be underestimated, right? No, I agree with you. And it's funny that I still have moments of trying to get my head around the fact that we've just come out of this thing. I mean, it was a two-year hiatus mm. in which everybody's lives changed for many people forever. And, you know, th those adjustments, I think we're going to continue to see turmoil in a bunch of industries as everything shakes down and it may not go back to how it was. I mean, David, what we don't want, we don't want to return to the kind of 70s, 80s militant action by unions do we haven't we moved on from that? I mean, in those days there were 12 million people were members of unions people like arthur scargill had tremendous power because of the sheer volume of people he represented and they held the country a lot of the time to ransom whatever the arguments that you take about it and i'm not making a view about it i'm just saying that we we have moved on from those times haven't we I, we I... want unions to be more responsible you want governments to be more responsible and you want employers to be more responsible but we don't want to go back to a national total strike, do we? But I think the fever is there. I think people are really fed up. People are tired of bosses taking massive surplus, taking massive pay, the government not doing anything about it. They're tired of it. So the fever is there for a summer of discontent. I mean, we've got, look, barristers now want to strike. We've got rail strikes. We've got teachers potentially mm. going on strike. People are upset and they're rightfully angry. And look, striking is never the first port of call. It's when you've tried to reach an agreement, which we are at with the teachers right now, that any of you are trying to mm. reach an agreement, which I don't think the government are going to even entertain, and we are therefore going to see strikes. It's the last port of call. OK, got to leave it there. It's, uh, you know, it took me, I don't know, an hour to do a 20-minute journey today. I would imagine there's millions of people going through similar annoyances. Yeah. And there'll be a tipping point where people get sick and tired of it, particularly if they feel the action that's being taken doesn't feel right or legitimate or is being overblown. And that, you know, that's why I think you've got to take each of these things on their merit. But B, BA, the BA action to me seems appropriate and justified. Some of the RMT rhetoric they're using about what they want for the members seems to me over the top. Whether that rebounds on the government or rebounds on the unions, yeah. I think, is very much... Or the hanging. employers, which, of course, it may... Well, I think it will they, unfairly I, rebound on the unions, as we've seen I think over it the hangs, past... Well, actually, Mick Lynch, the look, Mick Lynch, or the hood, as we call him on this show. Uh, by the way, that clip of me talking to Mick Lynch... That's amazing. I loved it. It's now had 5.4 million... I was here for that. Million, yeah, 5.4 million hits. Just for those who are still are a little bit confused, obviously, it was a bit of a wind-up. I, I didn't actually think the hood's a real thing. He got a, real a bit person. shirty, though, didn't he? Think, he, well, he got very annoyed while saying he wasn't getting annoyed, which is always the most amusing I thought amusing he was quite time. calm, actually. I thought he was quite diplomatic. I actually think, to be fair to Mick Lynch, I think he's been handling his media duties with great aplomb. And I think he's rather enjoying all the attention oh, he's now getting is. Yeah, as this is. mastermind who is terrorising the media world. He is actually the hood. Anyway, thank you both very much. Thank Appreciate it. Thank you, Alex. Sorry about all the terrible 
tech issues we've had with you over there in Doha. But keep up the good work. On Censored Next, trigger warning, safe spaces, preferred gender pronouns, restrictions on free speech. Are today's students the most intolerant bunch of crybabies we've ever seen? Debating that after the break. Welcome back to Piers Morgan. I said, so what is a university? What is it? I mean, it used to be a place that our bright young minds would go to to expand those minds, to be challenged, to take risks, to take part in rigorous debate with people who may implacably disagree with them, and then maybe reach a point of consensus and go and have a beer together, have some fun. That was what universities used to be about. But look at what they've become. They've become these cotton wool bubble wrapped hellholes where the enemy is free speech, where there's a charge for safe spaces, where everyone gets triggered. What does that even mean to be triggered by something you might read or hear? Certainly, my generation doesn't understand what that means. So, what is going on at our universities? Well, a shocking new report by the Higher Education Policy Institute, HEPI revealed a dramatic and disturbing surge in support for censorship by students, safe spaces, protection from alternate viewpoints. This is all among young students. And of the 1,000 who were surveyed, nearly two-thirds of them, 61%, were opposed to unlimited free speech, compared with just 37% in the exact same survey in 2016. 17% only said they supported ensuring unlimited free speech on campus, although offence may occasionally be allowed and a staggering 86% of them endorsed the use of trigger warnings so they can be protected from coursework that might upset them. More than a third of the students believe their teachers should be fired for exposing them to any material they find offensive, which is double the number in 2016. 39% believe the student union should ban all speakers who might cause offence, and 76% want universities to get rid of any statues or memorials to historical figures they find problematic, which, of course by their yardstick, is now pretty much everybody. You might remember the scenes in the BLM protests in 2020 in Parliament Square where where statues of Winston Churchill, Nelson Mandela and Mahatma Gandhi all had to be boarded up lest the mob come for them. So my view is this is all completely nuts. But I'm joined now by Larissa Kennedy, the president of the National Union of Students, who presumably... Good evening to you, by the way. Good evening. I know you've had a tough journey from Croydon. (laughs) Uh, Every every journey from Croydon is tough, right? Look, I I have to say that joke with Susanna Reid. You wish you went to the same school as Susanna Reid. I did indeed. Okay, well, I'll I'll take that as a warning, (laughs) a a trigger warning. Look, this report to me was incredibly damaging. You're representing the National Union of Students. What's going on at our universities? Why have you all become the enemy of free speech? Why do you all get triggered by everything? Why have you all become such snowflakes? Interesting that you want to position students as enemies of free speech when it's the very opposite. In fact, this report shows that so many students are welcoming the idea of a free speech champion, but also are welcoming the idea that we can hold multiple truths, that, yes, we have to uphold freedom of speech, but we also need to put in place protections to make sure that our campuses are a safe space for the evolving people who are coming What does that mean? And if you want to ask what that means, it means that when you've got someone who has views that are obviously going to spark outrage... Mm that you give a heads up to the people coming. These are common sense uh, kind of things that students are talking about. And in fact, if I may finish my point, when you talk to people 
in local communities. When you talk to ordinary people and you talk about the real realities of these measures that students are suggesting, mm. like giving a heads up to people or like, um, you know, helping facilitate protests and so on. People on the ground agree that these are just common sense things to avoid Actually, any... Don't, I don't know who you're talking to, but they don't. Most I don't know who you're think, talking to. Most people think this is all completely crackers. What is crackers? Well, let me go yeah, through. I'd, let me go through. Crackers? What do you need trigger warnings for about stuff you may read or stuff a professor may say? Why do you need trigger warnings? I mean, what happens? You literally have this this sound. I think this is a, a pretty redundant. No, does that, does that go off? In obviously, the... you don't do that. I think what we're seeing here is actually what the report warns about. It's people like you who are creating these kind of inflammatory, like inflammatory headlines and responses to what is a pretty. I've just read the report. Issue. No, no, no. You've I've said just that there's going to be a sound, a sound played out in classroom. That's not what's happening. No, that in was universities. A, that's, look, that if was, it was a joke, it wasn't very funny. That was a joke. You may not find my humour funny but it was intended as a joke. However, I do not understand the concept of a trigger warning for something you may read or hear at university. The whole point of university is to be challenged. It's to be critical. And in fact, it's no, students... No, to be challenged. Are, it's students who are... No, it's about learning to be critical of the things that you see and hear and absorb around you. And in fact, it's students who are and standing tolerant, up... And tolerant. And, the free purpose speech. of an education is not to produce... Tolerance. Here's what Ricky Gervais said about free speech. And tell me if you think he's wrong. If you don't believe in free speech with people who you disagree with and even hate for what they stand for, then you don't believe in free speech. No, you don't. But if you don't believe that freedom of speech has the legal limitations that it has always had in democratic countries when it comes to the Equalities Act and other forms of limits that have been always put on freedom of speech, then you also don't believe in freedom of speech. You believe in freedom from consequence. And those are different things. I don't... I think... I think you should be absolutely held to the fire. There should be consequences to what you say and you should be challenged and there should be debate. What I can't get my head round is that 86% of students now want trigger warnings on course content, which might upset students. All we're really saying here is that it's going to note what's in the course. That's, no, what, that's what, called a bibliography. What would you here. find Are too you against painful? bibliography? What would you Are find? You? Too... Are you against bibliography? What would you find? Too... Are you against? Let me ask you. Let me ask, kind you. Of... Let me ask you. What would you find too triggering to read? Give me an example. I can't give you a personal example because it's not my personal opinion. Of students. This is students who are just saying. Tell me what I'm. Tell me what's on the course. That's what a course list is. That's what mm. a book list is. That's what, what a bibliography is. It's not a big deal. And the fact that you're making it into a big deal is exactly what it says in the report. Uh, what is a big you deal? You have bad faith actors. If I may continue, you, you have bad yes. faith actors um, who are stirring up division around this. When so many organisations, most of whom usually disagree, are saying this is a non-issue. And then you have to ask the question: Why do we have so much airtime on this? Why do we have so many people pouring money mm. and resources, particularly so our government, into talking about this? And when you see it in the context of the policing bill of all of the other bills that are coming through that are incredibly draconian, mm. you have to ask the question, who is benefiting from this conversation? Because it's not students. Wonder... Because students are welcoming freedom of speech, and that's exactly what this report says. It said they welcome... Well, no, it actually, says the compl- it actually says the complete opposite. It no, says that they're... If you read it that way, of course it does. If no, no. the Daily Mail's... Re- it was re- literally... Of it, actually, I read it in the Times. There was the exact... <laughs> Interesting. OK, there was the exact same survey done six years ago. Same questions... And they publish the results. It shows it shows a massive increase in the number of students who want to censor. It's not free censorship. Speech. It's about it holding is. multiple truths. And the fact well, that we've, got, that such, we've, got, such a, we've got such a reductionist, hang on, hang on, such hang a on. reductionist, hang diluted on. conversation around freedom of speech that even Larissa, when you're saying, Larissa, 
if what, I can, I can what, never finish a what point. Is, what was the point of asking me? Oh, listen, because I wanted to hear your view. <laughs> so please let me share the but view. But if you say something, let me share the view. Let the I know you're not view. used to debating at universities these days. <laughs> so let me debate. Clearly, with, you're not used to debating because you're, you're not used to just, in, You're obviously in, used to just saying what you want to say, and no one's allowed to challenge you. I'm that is not what happens in universities. I am that for free. Well, it, actually, we know that's what's happening in universities. And my was the last time you went to university, Piers? That was the last time you were a student. I was a student when I was uh, 19. Oh, how old are you? That's a long time ago. That is oh, a long been, last time you're ago. You're being ages. <laughs> Can I say that? You're being ages. No, I'm just saying. Wow. That, that's a fact. I'm it triggered. was a long time ago. Triggered. <laughs> can you not? No, can you I not? Be, you're the snowflake no, here. Can you not be ages? You're the snowflake here. Can you not be ages? All I'm saying is, how can you know what's going on at our university? I'm just reading this report. You're reading a report that says that students welcome a freedom of speech. This is the Higher Education you're Policy Institute. You're reading a report that Institute. says that students want to make sure that, yes, there is freedom of speech, but also that we're enabling support for students okay. um, who... Can you I know, ask a question? Campuses are students' Can homes. I ask a question without you getting offended? I'm not offended. Right, you can ask offend you? me if you're trying. I mean, okay, great. <laughs> great. Go ahead. I love go ahead. that. I love that. woman in this country. You can't I don't want me. to offend you. I want to give you my honest opinion. Please you give, give me yours. What is multiple truths? Multiple Because last truths. time I checked, there's only one truth. Facts are facts. That's it. That's not a very good philosophical outlook. Maybe you should go no, to uni. It's, it's Maybe you should go to uni. It's called but the anyway, fact. There's what, only one to truth. To answer your question... Do you agree there's answer, only one truth? To answer your question, what does it mean? It means that it's both possible to enable freedom of speech, as our students' unions do, day in and day out, um, but that it is also possible to make sure that we're hearing the voices of people um, who, you know, our, our campuses and our communities of education are often the homes of these students as well. So when they're saying, I want to have the space to speak out about what's happening here, I want to have the space to protest, mm. I want to have the space to share alternative views, that is them That's exercising their democratic okay. right to freedom of speech okay. too. That's all fine. But let me bring in Teresa Purcell. She's the former yep. president of the Young Americans for Freedom in Buffalo. Before we speak to Teresa, I want to just play a clip. This is what happened. She invited a prominent black Republican lieutenant colonel Alan West, to speak at the University of Buffalo uh, on a subject called America is not racist, why American values are exceptional. During the, during the Q&A session, protesters began chanting and banging on the walls. West, who was the, the speaker, was escorted by police out of the event as protest, protests continued outside. Uh, Theresa, you were with West and the police escort. You got separated. The protesters chased you into a bathroom where you had to hide for hours as they shouted, go get her. And we're screaming. We've got a bit of footage. We can't actually see you in it, but here's a bit of the footage from what was an alarming experience. Now, Teresa, I remember. I remember this incident. I remember thinking, God, a young woman who invites a speaker is basically in fear of her life from a mob that is behaving in such a shameful manner. What was it like for you? And what do you think of this whole report that's come out in the UK about more and more students wanting to censor free speech? Hi, Piers. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, the overall experience was really terrifying. I hosted Colonel West since a lot of colleges in the United States, and it might be similar in the UK, only host one side of the political spectrum. They only host speakers on the left. So with the help of Young Americans Foundation, I wanted to bring a conservative speaker to campus to talk about these important issues of race and American exceptionalism. And I think that the report that came out recently that shows that college students are not supportive of free speech is very alarming. And I saw this on my own 
college campus by just trying to host a speaker that they didn't agree with. They tried to run me off campus and tried to terrify me. And I was afraid for my life as over 200 protesters were chasing me. And as you said, I had to hide in a men's bathroom and call the police as they were shaking doors and screaming, go get her, go get her, capture her, capture her. We need to get Therese. So overall, I find it really concerning that students don't value free speech as they seem to only value speech that fits their narrative and don't want to hear from the imposing side, which right. is what college is all about, is having uh, those debates. Right. Well, thank you, Therese. So, Larissa, i come back to you. I mean, I presume you find that footage appalling, do you? What I find is that the, the, the ways in which we talk about footage like that is, is concerning and appalling. They literally chased a young woman into a men's restaurant. So what happened howling, from, from my vision it. of Do that? Do you not find that from appalling? Watching that, from watching that, what I've seen is that a speaker spoke and students also spoke. And that's speak. what they, they physically manhandled them out of there. Manhandled. And then, they were, they and were then threatened this young woman and chased her into a restaurant. They were chanting protest Shouting, go get her. They were chanting protest Do you think well, that's I fine, heard, that behaviour? I heard no justice, no peace, which is a very familiar... You think um, that footage charm. and what happened to her is acceptable? I don't have a particular position on that footage because, Why? first of all, it's not from the UK and that's not my, that's not my territory. Right. But first of all, I would say it's... A, harmful to try and transpose an, an example from the US onto the UK because here our students' unions are regulated by the Charity Commission. They have several measures in place that ensure that they uphold freedom of speech. We have speeches, speakers from across the political spectrum. One in ten students in this survey said they, they wanted to ban uh, conservative speakers. Yeah, and countless students also, similar numbers, said that they also wanted to ban Labour and the Green Party and whoever else. Why are they banning and any, you know it, why are they banning any of is, them? Is, if we're going to be honest, Piers, it's probably the president of the Tory society saying kick out Labour, the president of the Labour society saying kick out Tory. The numbers are small. Let's, do you, let's do you, not dwell okay, on, on... Do you agree that nobody like that stuff. should be banned? We should be hearing what? all voices. Who's been talking about banning? Who's been talking about banning except the people who 39%. are 39%. Trying... But in, in reality, I'm not hang asking... On, hang on, I'm... Let me finish. 39... You said that you asked me a question. I'm answering it. 39% <laughs> in the survey believe the students' unions should ban all speakers who cause offence. Why don't you want speakers to come and be offensive and then take them on and prove them wrong? Damn I mean, them with facts. Is that not what students were doing in the... The no, video. they were chasing women into restrooms and no, threatening them. No, they weren't. Shouting, they were go get protest her. We literally saw what justice. they did. We just heard her say no what happened. Peace. She called the police. So saying no justice, no peace. She is... literally had to call so the police. If, okay, so you're saying something I disagree with. I'm chanting no justice, no peace. Is that a problem to you? You can chant what you like. What you can't do, those, what you can't do, is chase those, a young woman into those, a men's restroom and shout, "Go get her!" in an intimidating, threatening manner. Both of those things are exercising freedom of speech. Let me ask you: What is a safe space? What, university. What is a safe space? Again, this is the what kind of mean? thing. This is the kind of language that gets picked up by the media and spun into something that it's not. And it's not just really. Ridiculous. It's your generation that has come up with this Your generation. That's a, no. You've already well, we, made an ageist joke about me being so old. I'm saying <laughs> I your. I, it was not an ageist your joke. Your younger I generation that you have created to me a this phrase ago. "safe space." Sorry, what, was it, an what does it someone mean? Else tell me if that what was does an safe joke? space mean? <laughs> First of all, let's clear the record. Is this a safe space? It was not. Hell for no! I, for either of us? <laughs> no, this is not safe for either of us. For either of us? No, please no. But first of all, I want to clear the record because I did not make an ageist joke. I just said you went to uni a long time ago. You got pressed by it. That's you and yours. You triggered my aging anxiety. That's you and yours. I'm prepared to forgive Take that to your therapist. But what is a safe space? Are you suggesting I have mental health issues? No, I'm suggesting okay. you should talk to a therapist about your issues I with think aging. you're making a joke about my mental health. I'm which not, again, actually. Is I'm again saying, triggering. I'm recommending that you should talk to You are triggering a lot of things here. Click you see how easy it is to trigger? Hey, serious question. Yes, I'm tired. What, of that is sound. A, what is a safe space? A safe space is about 
producing somewhere. It could be student-led, it could just be a group of friends, it could be whatever you make of it, but where you feel safe. Period, this isn't the name. Why do you feel so unsafe? You've just... In this country, are you crazy? I feel unsafe, of course I feel unsafe in this country. You just but... said that that woman who was literally barricaded into a men's restroom, that you were perfectly fine with that footage. I did not say I was perfectly fine with it. You didn't I condemn it. I said that it. the people you chanting no it? justice, no peace... You just literally talked about safe but space the, wanting the protection. Of something when is she not... wanted it, you said she's a conservative. But the antithesis of something is not to support the other, the alternative. That's not... <laughs> Please don't put words in my mouth, I don't appreciate it. What I did is I said that students chanting no justice, no peace, whether that's in the UK, the US or elsewhere is them exercising their freedom of speech. Okay. Period. That's what I said, full stop. What, what is your idea of free speech? Final question. My idea of free speech... Yes. ..is people being able to express themselves, whether that's through speakers on campus, whether that's through protests. You know, students have always exercised freedom of speech, you know, whether it's the fact that NUS was the first organisation, national organisation in the country to come out in support of LGBT mm. rights, whether it's the fact that students now speak so proudly in support of trans rights and black liberation and climate justice. Students have always but spoken do about you freedom allow, of speech. Do you allow, for example, on our campuses, would you allow J.K. Rowling, for example, to come On our campuses and in our communities, if Have I may you... finish my point. You may. <laughs> Last question you said, but now you're adding another on, one. So, we'll point. so when people are, you know, standing out on picket lines supporting the RMT mm. or UCU or any other union, when they're doing that, students have always been at the forefront. I get of it. We've always faced backlash for it and we're not going to stop Let it. So in my opinion, you're the snowflake because you're so pressed about it. I understand. Would you allow J.K. Rowling to come to any How university? Is that? What kind of question is that? Would you allow... As if I have power to stop people from coming to uni. Would you want her to? But what You're the of, president of the NUS. Would you want J.K. Rowling what kind of question to come? Is that? Should she be allowed to speak at universities? Should you answer it then. You tell what me. What kind of question is that? You and well, I do she, not have the power to. As you okay, know, look, I feel, I as feel like you know, she's a, been the victim of okay. a massive, relentless, but I feel vicious like there's campaign a misunderstanding to silence of how, her views about gender and sexuality. I feel like sexuality. there's a misunderstanding of how these events run. Right. The vast majority of speaker events in the UK that are student-led are, are run by simple question. Are run by student societies who are elected. Simple question. And they go to their students' unions. I get it. Events. I simply ask, how would you feel? So about... it's not for me to I just ask your personal opinion on campus. What's your opinion? Well, I'm representing my members. I'm not giving you nothing personal. This ain't personal. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm gonna. I'm about to debate in a minute uh, this issue of what is a woman. What is a woman? What? What's that got to do with the price of bread, Piers? I, I literally to told you I'm about to debate this I'm not movie. On that segment. Bye. Ask the next guest. What is a woman? What do you mean, ask the next... I said, ask the next guest. You don't know what a woman is? A woman is someone who defines as a woman, period, done. Next well, anyone? Guest, next guest, please. Anyone? OK, I'm a woman. Is that... Yeah? I said next guest, because that's not my second If I If I say I'm a woman... I know you're trying to trap me, and I'm not falling if for If I say it. I'm a Sorry. woman, do you agree I'm a woman? I said next guest, because I'm right. not falling for because... it. Bye. You're not getting your little clip out of me, your little audio clip Actually, out of me. <laughs> without realising it, you may have just given me my little clip. That's okay. the point. That's wonderful for that, you. That, ironically, is the clip. That's wonderful Because for you. when young women Live can't actually life. say what a woman is, a I woman, think it's mad. I am a woman. You're I, a woman. I'm a young woman who's very proud but of am a I membership. if I say I'm a woman? I'm very proud of to, to serve a membership of students who support free speech, who work hard to make sure that our students You said anybody who says speech, they're a woman's a and woman. And who, who exercise their democratic right to protest uh, and do so in okay. a way that is in line with the law. Larissa, great to see you. I wish I could say the same, Piers. Goodbye. Well, I'm sorry it wasn't such a safe space for either of us, but we got through it. It's okay. (laughs) It's over, thank God. All right, enjoy your trip back to Croydon. Uncensored next, the US Supreme Court expands the right to carry firearms in public across America despite a recent shocking surge in gun massacres. We'll discuss that after. (laughs) 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, the U.S. Supreme Court has today struck down a New York law that would have restricted people carrying guns in public less than a month after the Texas school shooting. It comes as a furious row broke out between a Georgia representative and a British Channel 4 news journalist after she was questioned over American gun laws. Marjorie Taylor Greene became aggressive when Siobhan Kennedy questioned her on the validity of, a gun law, of gun laws at a press conference in the States. It's our job to defend the Second Amendment. Well, I understand that we don't have guns in the UK, that is true, but we don't have mass shootings either. Children aren't scared to go to you school. You have mass stabbings, lady. You have all kinds of murder, nothing and you've like got same, laws against nothing that. Nothing like the same rates. Well, here. you can go back to your country and, and worry about your no guns. Oh, that's very kind. We like ours here. Huh? Well, I'm joined now by Washington correspondent for Channel 4 News, Siobhan Kennedy. Uh, so, Siobhan, um, I think you experienced what I experienced when I was at CNN is that when someone with a British accent starts to go after Americans about guns or gun control, constitutional rights, it's a very hot potato and they get very angry very quickly about it. And in a way, I guess we, we might feel the same if it was the other way around. Uh... I don't know if that's the case, um, but certainly there was an element of surprise for me, for her immediately picking on where I'm from, my Britishness, uh, for daring to ask her about her views on gun control when it was the story of the day and legislation is passing through the Senate and she had some very strong opinions and she was hosting an open press conference, so I was within my rights to ask her. But interestingly, the week before I'd asked similar questions of Senator Ted Cruz on the day we had one of the uh, parents of the Uvalde victims crying out, begging, she said, to act now. I doorstepped him. I asked him the same question. I mm. said, Senator, will you act now? Uh, and again, the conversation came around to my Britishness. Where are you from? Mm. He asked me. Uh, you're, not, you're not from here. So both of them, interestingly, used my uh, Britishness as part of their defence to throw the argument back at me rather than answering my simple question, which is, what are you going to do about it? Right. I mean, I used to have people screaming at me about 1776 and all the rest of it. Um, so I've been, I've been on this rodeo. I mean, just for the, from a pure factual point of view, the allegation she put to you, which is basically we have as many mass gun massacres, uh, knife massacres as they have gun massacres. Obviously, the facts do not add up to that. They've had more than 277 
mass shootings in America this year, more than one a day. We've had 235 homicides using a knife or sharp in uh, instrument uh, in the year ending March 2021. So there's simply no comparison. You know, 90-odd people there... will die of guns in America today alone. Exactly. There are more guns than there are people in this country. There is no comparison. Um, but she lashed out using that example, which is what President Trump had done once, too, trying to immediately deflect and say, what about all your stabbings? We simply don't have people going into supermarkets, peers, do we, or mm. into uh, schools and taking out 20 people all at once. That doesn't, of course, uh, downplay the terrible incident in London Bridge where still only a very small number of people were killed. Mm. Uh, but that, that was the argument. And obviously, I had to say to her, the two are not comparable, I'm afraid, yeah. Congressman. And they're not. They're just clearly not. Uh, Siobhan, thank you very much for joining me. I appreciate it. Uh, well, I'm joined now by conservative author and lawyer Anne Coulter. <laughs> Anne, great to talk to you. Your first appearance on Piers Morgan Uncensored. Congratulations. Thank you for having me. Very nice to be here. We couldn't be more impl implacably opposed on this issue. And I'm, I, I sort of, over the years, worked out that a British accent screaming at Americans about guns never goes down very well. But I am curious about what is going on with the Supreme Court today, because although it wasn't a direct response to what happened at Uvalde and Buffalo and these recent horrendous mass shootings, uh, clearly the juxtaposition of what the Supreme Court has announced today, basically making it easier for Americans in states like New York and California to conceal carry guns, uh, does seem to the rest of the world to be completely bonkers as an apparent response to what's happened. Um, well, Supreme Court cases aren't responses to what was in the news last week. I mean, this is a case that's worked its way up. And everyone knew the court was going to come out this way. It may be a shock in, in other places. It wasn't a shock to anyone here because the court has, has repeatedly held, recently anyway, that um, the right to bear arms, it is in our Constitution, is a personal right that belongs to all Americans. Um, yes, of course, there can be there can be limits on that right, but one of them is not that you go to the government <laughs> and the government says, well, you, ha you have to tell me why you need this gun. You need a special need, and we will, in our subjective opinion, decide whether or not you can exercise this constitutional right. So uh, this is simply a restatement of the last Supreme Court decision on the Second Amendment. But when you, which when is, you go and when you go and buy a car, right. when you go and buy a car or something, you have to go through all sorts of checks, and you have to get insurance, and you have to wear seat belts, and you can't drink and drive. All sorts of restrictions Americans quite happily go along with for driving a, a vehicle. Why would you object to people who, if they want to carry a gun around New York or California, that they simply have to go through various checks to get it? Um, well, a few things. Number one, um, would that guns were regulated as lightly as cars are. Um, you can buy a car and drive across the country in it. You can't do that with your personal constitutionally but you have to protected go through right checks, to and you have gun. to You have to go through checks, you including... You, you have do to, go through checks. You do. You, you have do to, have, you have to go through checks to get You have to have a, a number of restrictions. There's, to insurance. get a gun, you have to go through Seat checks, and, and you so have on. to pay an enormous amount of money. And I hadn't finished your first point. We also don't have a constitutional right to have a gun, which is kind of important. This is a constitutional right. It is more akin to voting. And you do not have to prove the right. You don't have to take out insurance. You do have to do all kinds of things to get a gun in this country. We do have essentially 
universal background checks. You're being lied to about that. Um, even a, a gun dealer who's selling guns out of his kitchen, if he sells more than one gun, essentially, he has to have a federal license. And to have a federal license, you have to have a background check. We're talking about very few sales. Basically, you know, a widow selling her husband's gun to her, her cousin or her nephew or something. This is... Um, to, to get those private sales between a single gun between two private individuals, and by the way, this has nothing to do with today's Supreme Court case, um, what you're talking about is universal registration. But they're lying about this, and as for your argument about, oh, it's right after these mass shootings, well, I, you know, a couple things about the mass shootings. Um, obviously, they're very dramatic, like shark attacks are, but they're less than 0.1% of all shootings. 90% of violent crime in this country does not involve a gun at all. Um, we do have a very demog de demographically different country than England. And in fact, the crime rate, the murder rate, the shooting rate would be far worse if we didn't have law-abiding armed citizens. Um, People using guns in self-defense successfully happens at least five times more than people no, using I totally, guns. Look, and I totally accept there are completely different cultures. You know, when we got rid of all the guns after Dunblane here, most people didn't have guns to start with. It's a completely different situation to America where there are 400 million guns in circulation. I do get that. Let's have a short break. I'll come back and finish this. But also, I want to ask you a very simple question. What is a woman? We'll be back after the break. <laughs> Back with conservative author and lawyer Ann Coulter. And one thing I wanted to talk to you before we move on to the big question of whether you're a woman or not, and if so, what is a woman? I just wanted to ask you finally about on, on the guns thing. The thing about the Avalde uh, massacre, which seemed uh, interesting to me, was that a lot of the, the cries from the right after these massacres is if only everybody had a gun, if only there were more armed security at the schools, these things wouldn't happen. There you had 19 heavily armed police officers literally standing outside the classroom and they let 19 kids get annihilated. So that argument, if you take it from what happened at Avalde, it doesn't work. Um, I think it works very well. It is exactly the opposite. What's stunning to me about the Uvalde policeman, um, and look, of the one, the few things I think the government should be doing, it is protecting us, having policemen. Yet and still, these are unionized government employees. Can you imagine if this were the ACE security company, a private company, you have to protect the school, and they behaved this way? Mm. Every single one of them would have been fired. They'd be bankrupt. But this guy has been kept on, kept on, kept... It's just assumed, oh, well, he's a government worker. We can't fire yeah. him. Well, I... Which proves the point we can't rely on the police. And no, we are not saying everyone should be armed, but those teachers who are armed, who have concealed carry, who can walk around grocery stores and restaurants with their concealed carry gun, 
they should be allowed to have them in schools. And I would like to point out that of all the mass shootings in the last few decades in this country, 94% have taken place in gun-free zones. Right. Well, because it, well, the that's shooter comes all right. in look, and he's right. looking look, at humans like there. a lobster tank. Running out of time, that wasn't a gun-free zone. It was a place with 19 heavily armed police officers who did nothing. And they were gutless no, it wasn't. and cowards. Anyway, look, very quickly. In, absolutely false. Very quickly. Absolutely false. Very it was quickly. a gun-free zone. Let me move quickly. We're running out of time. Do you identify as a woman? Yes, because I can't open a pickle jar. <laughs> and Coulter, what a lovely pleasure to talk to you, as always. Thank you very much for joining me. Good to talk to you. Come back soon. That's it from me. Whatever you're up to, make sure you keep it uncensored. Good night. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.